Welcome to episode 7 of the Exodus of Magic podcast. This is Dungeon Master Eddie, and uh, coming back again is Dragon. Hello. We're going to talk about uh, something that that has was very small. It existed in 2nd edition, and we're going to talk about what it takes to bring that forward. Now, to understand, I, I first found out about this topic at... The, the Gen Con that was the second-to-last one in Milwaukee before it moved to Indianapolis. Uh, the last Gen Con in Milwaukee, they had announced 3rd edition, and they had some. Of, they didn't have the books out yet, but they had the basic, here's how to convert your characters from 2nd edition to 3rd edition to try to help everybody move into it. Um, what was a big change in systems. It really hadn't been something this dramatic ever in, in D&D, like compared to going from 2 to 3, Three to four was was more flavor concerns, uh, whereas two to three was a, a general revamp of how the system was built. At the tail end of second edition, they knew the writing was on the wall. TSR was getting ready to be sold to Wizards of the Coast, and there was not a lot of new material coming out. But one of the last books that came out for a very brief time, it's the one I, I was able to see and I got to play with the magic of it at that second last Milwaukee Gen Con, was chronomancy, uh, time magic, time travel magic, affecting the, the probability of the worlds. Um, this is this has led into some of the spells in in three five and beyond, where uh, at a lower level you get a reroll or you get to, to ask a question and get an answer if this is if this action will be good, bad, or negative, or just have no effect on things in general. Say good, bad, or no effect in general. So chronomancy. As it was originally designed in 2nd edition, if you, if you played a chronomancer, the idea was this was the most powerful magic in the game, even at low levels, because it affected the fabric of reality. And with chronomancy, you got into a position where you could go back and, and play with timelines a little bit. Generally speaking, how far you could go back and what you could affect depended on the level of magic. And they talked about the society of chronomancers and what they had to do to keep these things straight. And as I was re revisiting this in the car with Dragon, it then popped into my head, this would be something really cool to throw into an epic level campaign. Where if you look at the, the rules of epic level in 3.5, uh, that you can actually get a progression of like 10th, 10th 11th through like 20th level spell slots and what what that means is there aren't 20th level spells or even 10th level spells it's some you can now add metamagic feats to some spells that are going to bump the level and you have slots accordingly for those you can also use those to just bulk up on the amount of ninth level spells you have in the bank but then the question comes in you know adapting chronomancy and making this work in three five because, or even 5th edition, anything later than 2nd edition. So, opening thoughts, Dragon. Let's mess with the timelines of campaigns. How can this possibly go wrong? I mean, the better question is, how can it possibly go right? Like, I, I successfully played a Chronomancer in 2nd edition, so, it, it, you know, it, it, this is tooting my own, very, my, my own horn, my own, massaging my own ego. The right player... And the right DM can make it work. I think that... Because when we were talking about it in the car, you were talking about easing it in with things like a, a wand or something like that. <clears throat> Specifically something that, you know... At first you were like, oh, a scroll. No, not a scroll, because a scroll could be scribed. Uh, but to me, it. I was, think, I was thinking about it while you were 
doing the setup, and it reminded me of something from uh, the game Deadlands. Like Deadlands has a few kinds of magic, and but one of them is called blood magic, and it explicitly says in the book, technically players can use blood magic, but it is not balanced for it, and is meant as a, as the a tool for the DM for antagonists and whatnot. And to me, that's to me that's not, it feels like something that would apply to chronomancy because it's so powerful like yeah maybe give the players access to like an item or something but like an but to be an actual chronomancer to me that seems like something it'd be better to keep strictly on the dm side of the table because of how potentially powerful it can be well when i think of chronomancy like the the first thing, and this is the technical part of my mind, the, the, the world building more than the can, again, campaign, campaign building side, is to paraphrase Yahtzee, for Yahtzee Kroshaw from The Escapist. Zero punctuation. Zero punctuation. He, he, he talked about time travel in, I want to say, one of the video games, some game many, many years ago. And, and he said the first thing you need to do is establish the rules. And they kind of covered this in Endgame, but as Yahtzee said, now understand how you're going to do chronomancy and how you affect timelines and time travel are you playing by back to the future rules where you can change things are you playing by 12 monkey rules where you can't change things are you playing by terminator rules where you think you're changing things but these temporal touchstones are always going to happen the question is how far can you kick the can down the road Um, otherwise you get into the like the, the plausibility of how hulk described it in endgame where you, if you once you change the past, you can't then go to the future because that future is now in your past, right? The, the the order of operations where you cannot change something and then go enjoy it, a la like Back to the Future or Time Cop, uh, or even Time After Time. And from that perspective, it's, the the important things to start out is to define how this will work in your campaign. And I would, I would look at this, <clears throat> excuse me, as more than right. This is this is something you build a campaign around or a section of a campaign around, because you run into a scenario where this this can't proliferate. In second edition, they talked about how the chronomancers are so few, and and they're usually working to maintain the integrity of the timeline. And I think this is where a campaign comes in. If something has gone goofy, and you find a dead chronomancer, and you find his his chronolog, where you see what's gone wrong, and then you take it up to try to go fix whatever broke. And it's, I'm thinking about one of the campaigns I'm running. Actually, two of the, both of the campaigns I'm running. And I'm immediately, my brain is like, how can I plug this in to make it cool and in the right spot without, once again, oh, look, you gave a kid a time machine. <laughs> Now, all of a sudden, the, the timeline is tied in knots, and even Doctor Strange is not going to unwind it. So with this, like you, you have three, like I said, you basically have the three options. You, you are changing things. You are not changing things. Uh, you are kicking an inevitability can down the road or find, finding some way to, to alter what that inevitable action um, will, will affect. I mean, like, the common time travel thing is go back in time and kill Hitler. So either you go back in time, kill Hitler, come back, and you're in a timeline where Hitler, you know, died as a kid or whatever when you killed him, preventing World War II. 
or changing it drastically, or you come back and things are the same for you, but there's an alternate universe where the events did unfold from you killing Hitler. And then the third option where you go back and you kill Hitler, but then some other schmuck basically comes along and does the same thing. And then Go- Goebbels grows the mustache instead of Hitler, right? And, and, <laughs> yeah. and in fairness, they get rid of Hitler and see how things change. I want to say Command and Conquer Red Alert, Red Alert 2 did that. Tim Curry was the Russian. Like somebody went back. Like Einstein went back and killed Hitler. And then... no, it was uh, he is Tim Curry's character. Like the him and his scientist and his general went back and killed Einstein to prevent the creation of the nuke. And then they came back and it's like, oh, I'm the supreme commander or, yes. or whatever. But now, like, it's, and it's now we don't. But now we don't have nukes. And there's there's the Japanese were invading Russia. And you know, with, yeah, with decay and so you you know, you have once again you have to define. How is this going to work? Now, I, I should say is we're we're we're, gonna, we're first talking about the mechanics of this. Um, like, you're if you're going to have, you know, the you, the twelve monkeys, you can't change anything. Like, no matter what Bruce Willis did, it simply fed into um, where he, you know, what he was already experiencing. That you find out him at the beginning of the movie was watching Kim from the end of the movie get killed. Right. Right. And and it's no matter what they tried to do, you were just on this inevitable path. Which is very, it's not D&D fantasy-ish, it is borderline nihilistic, right? You would need to have five oh, Yeah, like 12 highly, Monkeys is a huge downer. You would need to have five probably highly medicated players at the <laughs> table who just accept the futility of existence. Yeah. Um, which, at that point, God help anybody who's at that table, because that no, no part of that story is going to end well. But then you, you're left with the two, or it's really really three options you put. You have the, I can change, I can do this thing and change a future I will never experience. I can do this thing and then experience the future I've changed, like Hugh Jackman in Days of Future Past goes to the future and it's, you know, all of a sudden, like, it, it, things are much better for everybody because of, you know, stopping Magneto back in, in the 60s as he moved the, the stadium. Mm-hmm. And then option three is you're still experiencing a new future, but the event that either evoked in a different way, once again, it's instead of Hitler rising to power, it's Goebbels or one of the other guys who could display charisma is able to unite, um, you know, and then bring the Nazis into the, the hell that has been ever since they existed. And they might be like, maybe they'll be called slightly, something slightly different, but still Nazis. Yes, essentially. right. The same, the same, the same evil force doing horrible things throughout, throughout history. Or you get in a position where you you simply change that touchstone. Right. All right. You don't have the rise of uh, the Nazis, but with no with no Nazi Germany, then Stalin is unchecked. And and how does that play out across the world? And do we get into a hot war with Russia before you know the Cold War before nukes? And then what does that look like? In essence, that that massive conflict will still happen, but the touchstone around who is that conflict uh, will change. And like from from a D and D standpoint, you're going up, and there's an evil like you're going the classic evil necromancer, the paladin and his party are going to take down the evil necromancer. Uh, but he's grown so powerful where you need to use some chronomancy to stop him at an earlier stage of his development when he doesn't have the resources to stand up to the party. And you you eliminate this guy before anyone really knows he's a threat. 
Well, as you return to the future, you find by not having him, some other threat comes to the forefront. And now you have to deal with that. And eventually, as you keep trying to use time magic, chronomancy, to fix these things, you you need to come to grips with the fact that these things are going to happen, and it's better to address them in the present day, like use the chronomancy sparingly only to stop the most drastic of events. Um, and then, you know, your chronomancer's primary use, if you have one of the parties, is the standard, like the, the haste or the luck or, or that kind of things that'll, um, you know, the, 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 the probability dice rerolls and whatnot, rather than, you know, trying to just, oh, we're just going to time loop this thing until we fix whatever. Right now. And then there's all uh, there's always the way of uh, you can always play it where like oh we stopped this thing and doing that led the way for something even worse exactly so this instead is- like instead of the necromancer and his army of dead you go back you take him out come back oh there's a draco lich in his army of the dead and he wouldn't have come around except the because uh, the necromancer like stole his power or something. Well, so you go back and try and take him down. It, it might not even be a, a Draco look. Like you, you would th- like the paradigm would change. What you would find is instead of having the Draco look who served the initial necromancer you took down, well now the dragon never got turned into a Draco look. So now you have the dragon ravaging the countryside that you have to deal with. Right. Because now he's a great worm who never had somebody interfere with his natural path. Right. So you you can like one idea of this is to have the, the chronomancer campaign where you know you you know, the world changes, but it changes in such a way where ultimately it's not going to be happiness and roses, right? And especially from, from a chronomantic magic standpoint, trying to go back and, you know, to, you can't, you know, de-age a dragon far enough to take him out without having mama dragon around to take you out. Right. right. You you run into some of these issues. Or or you have the one where you can change these things and it, things are for the better, but that's that's almost like a campaign capstone. Right, like that would be one of the strongest places to use it. Is we have this issue and we need to go back and and reset it, almost akin to um, the Edge of Tomorrow or Live Die Repeat, depending on which how when you bought the disc, the Tom Cruise Emily Blunt um, time travel thing against the space bugs that can manipulate time and just keep resetting the clock, as it were. I actually haven't seen that yet. I really it, should. It is a classic. Tom Cruise, no matter what you're thinking about Tom Cruise, the man never makes a bad movie. Love you, Tommy. Hope you hear it someday. But but the premise was every time the character died, he reset back to this starting point. Like he got infected with some temporal what have you, uh, which, which then locked him into a starting point. So every time he died, he would go back, but he would remember everything. It, In essence, it, from his perspective, he was no roguelike. Yeah, because he he didn't get to take any of his stuff bag with him, but all the skills and experience and leveling up did. And and what it, what he found out is originally Emily Blunt's character, who was this big hero in the movie, this had happened to her, and then she lost this power, and then Tom got the power. So then she's he's got to go every time he's got to go reintroduce himself, go through the spiel of who he is, get her on his side, and then go go do this thing as they're slowly working. To get to the big alien, the mind bug that's controlling everything because it has the ability to, you know, the reason why they, they were overwhelmingly just defeating the humans is if they there was a mistake, they could always rewind and start over again. So they had to figure out a way to break the time loop for both of them for this thing to, to continue. And you can you can run a campaign uh, along those lines, but this that takes us into part two of campaign building around chronomancy and that is the party 
<sighs> now, I, I think it's clear that if you look, there are some some stories, some plot lines, some campaign ideas that will work with some parties and not work with other parties, mm-hmm. right? Because once again, uh, I think of I think of my buddy Eric, and when you give Eric something that is comparatively game breaking. He'll find a way to break the game whether or not he wants to or not. Great example. Eric is really good at playing good aligned characters. That's what he does. And his characters will always act as a good character. Whereas some parties will get into the, you know, it says good on our character sheets, but you're really more neutral because you're overly self-interested. You don't do the things good characters should do. And Eric will break from the party because we're supposed to be the good guys and he will do the good thing. In 2nd edition... There was a situation where to add some tension to the table, this group that was plane hopping through Sigil, including Eric, uh, found some magic items. And the magic item that Eric had grabbed was an Efriti bottle. Uh, and for those who, who are not familiar with this, there's an Efriti trapped in the bottle for somewhere between 1,001 and, and one day. Um, once his time is up, he comes out and his goal is to just slaughter whoever's got the bottle. So you're, you're on a clock and you have to be ready to deal with the Efriti when he comes out. Now the Efriti will come out and he will do tasks for the player. But the Efriti, lawful evil, is going to obey the letter of the law. So if you want, it's like... I, I remember we, we uh, it was when years ago when I asked, uh, what the, what's the difference between an Efriti and a Jin? It's like, if you ask a Jin to get you a, a can of Coke, they'll just make a can of Coke. You ask the freak to get you a can of Coke. He will go to a near nearby can of Coke, destroy and kill everything in his way there, get the can of Coke, and bring it back, and it'll be warm. Yes. But you got the can of Coke. Yeah. You wanted a can of Coke? I, yeah. I, just, I broke into the factory and slaughtered everybody who tried to stop me, but here's your can. And it's warm. There's nothing in it. You said a can of Coke, not... You don't you want Coca-Cola, <laughs> you wanted the can. Here's the can. Cheers. Right. And, and so Eric would try to ward these things in such a way to get the Efridi to follow the letter of the law rather than the jinn who do the spirit, like the letter of the request versus a jinn who does the spirit of the request. And the Efridi and the is always going to try to find a way to, to twist it to make whatever situation worse because this is his frustration from being trapped in the itty-bitty living space. Mm-hmm. And so with, with some characters who aren't good aligned, are going to take that Afridi bottle and just make their request to, I'm just advancing the plot. Like, you're dead. I'm just advancing the plot, man. <laughs> you know, to, you know. There's that, there's that dragon attacking the village. You know, kill the dragon. Well, he does it by, like, picking up villagers and throwing them at the dragon and beating with the villagers' houses so that the village is just in pieces when it's done. Mission accomplished. Right, and there are some players who look at that and giggle. It's like, what was what, trying to, trying to do what the party wanted, man? And now from this, just take a beat. Think of what happens there with an Afridi bottle and the players who would use an Afridi bottle like that. Now give them the ability to manipulate the temporal strands of a campaign. Yeah, I mean, I often say that being a DM and dealing with a party is like herding cats. Mm -hmm. Now give the cats Mm -hmm. access to the space-time continuum. I, I would say it's more like trying to... Trying to herd feral badgers sometimes. <laughs> and they don't want to be herded at all. And they bite. Yeah. 
so with with chronomancy, a, a big chunk of this is first you need to have you need to establish the the rules of time travel, but then you need to make sure you have the right players at the table. And the problem you you run into from a meta standpoint is this is going to sound cool to a lot of people. And as a DM, part of your responsibility is to make sure you have fun, but that also means understanding one what it takes for you to have fun, and two that there are going to be some players who even as much as they might want to play in this aren't going to be fun for anybody else because they're like the Joker. They just want to watch the world burn. And and the goal, and you really want to focus on a good aligned party because there's bringing evil aligned party into this would, is, is even more of a tight rope walk because you have to have players who can first play an evil party, which is surprisingly rare uh, to, to do it in a constructive way. Uh, and then are willing to adhere to the ideas of what time travel is and like the chronomancy and how this would tie into things. So you have you have the, the rules of time travel. You then have you know, the appropriate players at the table to do this because as we've talked about with players and, and different things, what could then happen to cause issues? And then three, if we're building a campaign, the planning that has to go into this is is comparatively turned up to 11 versus anything else you're going to play because now it's it's understanding five dimensions of reality right you, yeah, you need to have you know not only not only do you have the usual dm stuff of knowing about kingdoms and whatnot you then have to think about i think more about like the histories of those kingdoms because what if the players decide they want to go back in time a few centuries it's like uh, so you, you now need to have you need to understand how these things look over time like a, a weird touchstone comparison to that it goes back to the original Dragonlance trilogy from Margaret Weiss where they're trying to get they need to get a boat to get to where they're going and they follow Tasselhop's map to the coastal city of Tarsus but the cataclysm cho- changed the environment that Tarsus is a landlocked city next to a desert because the, the, the change of the landscape changed where the oceans were and changed the continents. So they followed a thousand-year-old map to get to a boat, and they found one that was dry docked in the middle of a desert. <laughs> and, and a lot of these things you need to think about in your preparation because you need to think about, you know, the, there's a lot of work that goes into it. So you, it's best done in an established campaign world where you've already built out history for other things, and it's a chance to let players, maybe some of whom have experienced some of this, go back and adjust it, but you need to have a clear understanding of who the major powers were throughout the the different ages, and then you need to have a basic idea of what happened in between the ages. Once again, going back to Margaret Weiss, when she did the Twins trilogy, and the Twins went back in time with their cleric, they ended up at one of those in-between-the-ages periods where history was somewhat rough. And you need to see how did we go from age one to age two and that chaotic period in between. I think the most the most recounted part of that in, in the world history is probably the Three Kingdoms era of China, which when we think of it, there was no the, the emperor had no real power. You were going from one dynasty, the Han dynasty, to what would then become the Jin dynasty. And the Three Kingdoms period was how those two large chunks of history were connected. So you, you need to think about the history and plan out 
uh, the timelines, which is your it's your fourth dimension. Like, how do these timelines flow? But understanding the major touchstone points along those timelines that the players can deal with, right? If a, if, a, if a king's son dies, he's got another son, you have, all right, maybe things are a little bit differently, but ultimately it's somebody who's, for the most part, trained to take over the throne, right? They're educated. They've, they've gone through all the social stuff. You know, assuming you don't have a dramatic, oh, this guy's got an 18 intelligence, that guy's got a four, right? <laughs> you know, there's some. there should be some stable continuity where, you know, it's it's the, the seasoning the seasoning has changed, right? It's a, it's a spaghetti sauce versus a marinara sauce. Uh, but you need to identify those major points where, all right, what can happen here to cause a, a, just a gigantic rift that will create a new timeline where it actually causes a spur to come off, a la uh, you know, the sports almanac in Back to the Future 2 that created that alternate 1985 that looked almost nothing like what Marty had remembered. So, like, what would what would be some ideas on what would be a good branching touchstone? Like, we've talked about the, the, the kill Hitler idea, like you kill the evil necromancer. What else could you do that would be something that a, a party would have to repair? Uh, mm. Sabotaging a political marriage that, in, you know, the main timeline resulted in, you know, a long period of peace... But then you go back and sabotage that, and it causes the two kingdoms' relationships to break down until they're at war. Changes the balance of power that changes the the timeline of history, and who like by that, by doing this, who is born and who is not because of it. Yeah, like you know the two like the marriage, their kids aren't born. The two kingdoms are at war. Their allies, uh, like you know, the allies of those two kingdoms will be affected, and et cetera, et cetera. You could have. Another one where, say, a a wizard who's about to make a discovery of some spell that is going to change the world or creates an artifact that's going to change the world is stopped and that, that artifact is never made, that spell is never discovered. And yeah, then, go back in time and kill Leomund. You know, what if you know, what if you you go back far enough and, and in the extreme example, you 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 stop the first guy who figures out to cast lightning bolt. Right? And maybe other lightning spells exist, but then you you now have an overpowering push of fire and ice spells instead of of lightning bolt to change how how magic is used. So that if you come back and you start using you know your lightning bolts or your orbs of orbs of acid, or orbs of electricity or whatnot, this is becomes so revolutionary. This is the the new tech or new magic everybody wants because if there's no electric magic, there's no resistance electric magic, and it becomes the new. The new weapon everybody has because it it changes a balance of power, right? If you if you look at the origin stories of some deity, what if you got in the way and prevented a, you know a not yet deific persona from doing the thing that that forces that that allows them to ascend, and now you have a world where this religion this deity doesn't exist. What what fills that spot, or does that spot even get filled? Yeah, well, if you go back in time and give Corellin and Loth some couples counseling and keep them from splitting up and resulting in the drow. And then what, you know, at that point, what happens to the elves from there? Yeah. Right, what, what, how does that change things? That actually be really interesting. Uh, anyway. But then, if the party does start mucking up about with all that kind of stuff, you then lead, that would de- uh, probably lead to getting the attention... Of the chronomancers. 
Exactly. You could you could bring somebody in to try to correct what they're doing in, in the timeline. This is the, the temporal prime directive in Star Trek where they they will come in and try to, to the, the, the temporal police and whatnot that they showed in Voyager to come fix what it is you are breaking. You know, give you a slap on the wrist and not, not do that or does it become more aggressive? Does Is there some as yet unnamed deity of time who is in essence the one who's who's keeping everything together and what if you start fracturing his timelines and then what does his or her clerics look like right what do you know what what spells are they going to have what effect do they need to do how how are they going to relate to the other other deities based on you know we have our, our dinners and our valhalla and we're going to hash things out and there's that guy over there in the corner that we just don't ignore because we really don't want him to wake up and get mad or is there or is it just there isn't a god there's just this group that wields this awesome power but uh, the power that really eclipses the gods but none of them are gods they're just people all right so you 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 have the mechanics you have the party you have how are you going to build this out how is how is it going to be monitored and controlled at a greater scale as you start crossing the boundaries from the fourth to fifth dimension to this is this is the timeline and these are the probabilities that can split off based on what you do and as a dm the one thing you you are going to have to find a way to make peace with is to figure out how far these branches are going to go and once again, this ties back to, you know, to have the right party, because are they going to go and just, you know, we're just going to, like, set the con- cotton candy machine to just spray out floss instead of wrapping this nice nice ball around the cone. Just give it spray out like silly string all over the place. And then, you know, there's a level of management that just goes beyond mortal capability in our world as DMs and players to keep track of it. Yeah, I feel like, like, Honestly, good or evil, the alignment of the party isn't going to matter with this. It's going to come down to, will the party end up working for slash with the Chronomancers? Or are they going to end up fighting against the Chronomancers? How selfish are they going to be yeah. with the use of this magic? And this, but, Like we were talking about, you, know, like you, could do, you could use time travel to undo all kinds of bad things. Like, preventing the drow from existing... Would be it could definitely be considered a good thing to do because of all the terrible things that the drow do, but it also would be something that would really mess with the timeline, and I don't imagine the chronomancers would be happy about that. This is this is where where things like this happen. You then your next step is to look at at those ideas and how do you implement them? Because it's one thing to talk about it from a grand scale of what you can do, but let's put you at the combat table on the map, and. One of the ways to make this work, so you're not keeping track of what happens on a round-by-round-by-round basis, to a point, you're going to have to keep track of where hit points were lost. Some of the spells that the Chronomancer is going to have might rewind, you know, for three rounds for for them, where it'll move them back to where they were three rounds, or things that will affect them and their placement and their, their hit points, where it's like the spell isn't a heal spell, the, the spell simply rewinds the damage. Or it moves them back so that they're at a point and whatnot before damage. But you'll also have to put them in the place where, where they were before. Are you going to have spells that, you know, you're going to get into a lot of the divination and other things that will let them look ahead to anything. Or with time magic like haste. Um, so you're going to have to figure out how you're going to want to do the mechanics of that. And, I, and there will be... Like, you could make... I mean, 
with the, the theoretical power of the chronomancer, a single chronomancer could put up a fight against a party of 20th level people. Because uh, Well, there's, you still run into one problem, and that problem is action economy. Right. Which is what balances out. Like, if you've got a party of four 20th level people against one chronomancer, that chronomancer still gets one spell. The party still gets, you know, four full-round actions to the one full-round action. And even then, the, the, the chronomancer still is limited by spells. It's got to be something that's wizard-only, not sorcerer. Because given the, the sheer number of sorcerer I can cast spell slots... Like, if you had a chronomatic sorcerer, then the sheer volume of stuff very quickly can, can get out of control. Like, it's something that might be added eventually, but it, it definitely should not be the first foray, because you, you need to make sure there's a slow dribble of how this starts. Uh, and then talking about introducing people to chronomancy and bringing it into the world so they can exist. And we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, because I, I mentioned it in the car. The one thing you absolutely can't do is start this out with a scroll or, God forbid, a spell book. Yeah. Right? Because all of a sudden it's like, I have, I have the Holy Grail. I have flying cars that shoot lasers while you still have conventional weapons. Right? Granted, I mean, there's, if everybody can unite against me in one spot, there's a risk. But I, if I do magic in a certain way, I can, um, I can cause issues. And this is where you start off with a wand or even a staff, because you're, with a staff you're doing the same thing. And the players can argue about, well, I want to be able to research and do do knowledge arcanas and spellcraft. It's like, that's fine. Until somebody teaches you, this is so far beyond what you can do. This would take an elven lifetime just to crack the nugget of it without a guided teacher. Um, just because of, of what it what it takes on your mind to be able to do to get there. Because as we talk about it, we have enough problems talking about it, and I'd like to think we're intelligent people. Uh, but you can slowly work up to the point where maybe they get a spell or two, and if you're going to have scrolls that they scribe, it's going to be the spells that don't necessarily cause the biggest damage. Like the lower level stuff is, is maybe going to be I rewind around, right? Or, or something like that, where it's I can... I can rewind, like a second level spell might be, I can rewind one round for up to, for every four levels. So one, five, nine, 13, 17. I can rewind up to five rounds, right? But you're, you know, rewinding five rounds is being viewed as like a ninth level wizard ability. Yeah. But as you, you have things like this, you would have um, some magic items like uh, temporal anchors, which would be something where, and this is, Things like this would be important from a party standpoint where, you know, they're attuned, like a, a chronomancer has to make them, right? And this can be, you wouldn't need to give them a feat. There would just be a spell and then you'd have a bunch of material requirements on that spell to create one of these. And what this does is if the chronomancer changes something, it protects whoever's wearing any of their temporal anchors from being affected by these dramatic changes, like they would maintain their memories. Yeah, and, the par- and like the like, and if the party does end up going up against the chronomancers, they definitely would need something like that, so that the chronomancer doesn't just go back in time to find baby versions of the party and dig them out. Correct, because then this that 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 skewered uh, split timelines, and the party can still exist to deal with them. So the trick is getting getting one that can protect against that that chronomancer, and there's some. There's some mechanics that would fit into how you would do that that are still uh, to be determined. I'm, as it turns out, I'm going to start blogging, and this might be one of the first things I talk about uh, 
when it comes to ideas for campaign building is just flesh out these ideas because I'm, you know, as I went down memory lane, I'm, I'm now fascinated by this idea. Oh, yeah, I, I it could be a really good. cool campaign. It would be, it would be something. And it, uh, once again, right people, right ideas. And there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, say, mechanics that need to be built, history that needs to be built. I would recommend that if you're going to do this, um, it would be best as a DM for you to already have a built-out, fleshed-out cam- you know, campaign world where you have characters, you have continents, you have politics, you have your uh, pantheon, uh, and you have some degree of history because you, you want to build chronomancy into something that exists because that will make it easier. Because you you have all right, I have a past, I have a future. Building out the the temporal touchstones to get you from A to B are a lot easier if you already know what A and B look like, right? You you don't start with the chronomancy and then try to build around it. There's too many variables. It's better to have all the variables defined, um, and then chronomancy will just tweak them. But you need to know what the constants are that lock those variables in place, uh, which is once again where we get back to those. The, the touchstones and, and where these splits can happen, where these events will can either change the world or be delayed or um, they transform into who's doing these when it's not you know, uh, Entity A and it's now Entity B. So that's that's a lot. For chronomancy, right, we're, we're not even skimming the fat off the surface of the soup when it comes to this opening discussion of chronomancy. Yeah. I think there will be... There's definitely going to be blog posts. There's definitely going to be more talking about this because I think this would be cool. And the idea of building out, um, at least for me as a, as a 3-5 DME, uh, it's something 5th edition players want to do. I'd love to see and hear about this. You know, What would that campaign look like and how do you get people involved in that? What would the, what would a deity look like? Because I think you'd want some clerics, like the, the chronomancy, you'd want some clerics as the... It would be interesting to have them as the... The reigning force to you know acting on behalf of the deity to make sure the timeline doesn't get completely, you know, just splayed everywhere, like it was run over by a semi. Um, you know, what would the mages who are doing this look like? How do how do people get involved in these organizations? How do these organizations operate? You know, what kind of codes and, and signals do they have so that you know how you can identify people where you have chronomancers on two different missions from two different time frames. Who actually who encounter themselves, you know, each other in a city at some point because their missions just happened to cross at that moment in time, and what does that ultimately mean? Like, there's so much territory you can go with with chronomancy and time magic. That's um, something I'm going to start working on. I'm eager to hear what everybody else has to say because this uh, this is as close as you get to mind expanding without doing dangerous and illicit drugs. Yeah. <laughs> or drinking way too much coffee made with caffeinated water. This, you know, in the words of, uh, you know, in the immortal words from a time travel story, this is getting heavy, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> Weight's got nothing to do with it, Marty. <laughs> uh, All right. This is Dungeon Master Eddie, uh, episode seven, uh, Chronomancy and Time Magic. I want to thank you, Dragon, for going through this, this uh, mind exercise with me as to what this looks like. I am now on a mission to go find the, the second edition Chronomancy book, which is probably uh, very rare and extremely expensive on eBay somewhere at this point. Just oh, yeah. to, that's yeah. going to be dummy expensive. Uh, unless I can just... I, I, I used to have one, and that, that kills me. As I remember when I sold my second edition stuff. and I kept all the Planes, Planescape books and box sets. 
go me, should have kept the Chronomancy book. I feel like an idiot for not doing it. So now I'm going to go probably pay three figures to find it. And hopefully it'll be easier to find than the Arby's dice that I tweeted about earlier. Arby's, the Arby's shop, arbyshop.com. They did an Arby's set of dice that sold out in two and a half hours, despite people not knowing about it. So I'm on the wait list, so the next time they release some, I want some. Uh, and, and those will hopefully, like, those aren't even on eBay, because I would have, God help me, I would have dropped 100 bucks on them yesterday. But that's, like, the, the, like the, that, that would be a separate discussion about uh, brands, and including fast food brands, like KFC, Wendy's, and, and Arby's, and how they touch into the, the D&D world. But that is too much of a digression from this point. So once again, Dungeon Master Eddie with his guest Dragon, Episode 7, Chronomancy and Time Magic. And thank you. See ya.